He's to the 45. He's oh, to he's the 50. Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not going to plant it in the midfield of the O, is he? Wow. Yes, he is. Rattler again to throw it. Steps up in the pocket. Throws on the run. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host today, Kami Amurabian, joined by Jack Shields and special guest, John Johnson, who is the founder of Core Nation, talking some Nebraska football. John, how's life, man? It's it's uh, it's pretty good. You know, it's, it's we're coming out of winter here in Minnesota, where I live now. And uh, Nebraska is the first place in Big Ten baseball, so... We still love our baseball team quite a bit, and I pay close attention to baseball. And uh, I know that – should we just dive in? We could if you wanted to. Okay. I, I know that you're going to ask me the question. Do you miss the Big 12? <laughs> that, is, sure that is, that on is, that is of one of the questions. That's correct. That is one of the okay. questions. <laughs> I will say that I do miss the Big 12 in, when it comes to baseball because I, I love Big 12 baseball. We especially loved uh, playing Texas, those sons of bitches. Uh, you know, back when Augie Garrido uh, was their coach, just so people out there know, I'm an old crusty man and I've been around for a long time. So uh, with regards to missing the rest of the Big 12, uh, no, not at all. You know why? Because you sons of bitches, you fell in love with Texas. You jilted us and you picked Texas over us. So Fuck you. That's what I got to say to Oklahoma. Man, you know, football, so. you know, I miss I miss playing y'all mm-hmm. in baseball because everybody actually cared about baseball in the Big 12. Nobody in the Big 10 cares about I literally nobody in the Big 10 cares about baseball. Yeah, what do they what do they care about besides football? Is it like basketball, I guess maybe? Basketball is huge. Basketball hockey. is uh, Oh yeah, the, hockey. Yeah, Nebraska doesn't have hockey. They care and volleyball is a huge sport. You know, so, but baseball, honest to God, if you went and looked at the attendance numbers in baseball, you could take Nebraska, 6,000 people to go to Haymarket Park, add up all the rest of the entire Big Ten, and it wouldn't equal that. So, and so one of my questions is like, so we talked about it, right? You know, do you miss the Big 12? Not really, because, you know, everybody's, you know, like, coattails to texas and like pairing up with texas i suppose um i guess the other question on the flip side of that coin is do you feel like and especially football wise do you feel like nebraska maybe regrets making the move to the big 10 because of their lack of success or what how do you what, what are certain the, recruiting ties what are fan, yeah nature? what are the fans thinking there Okay, so basically you're asking me, do I miss the Big 12 personally? You know, I do, I do miss the familiarity of, of playing Kansas, Kansas State, you know, Missouri, I still hate them, Colorado, still hate them, you know, Texas, of course, who, who likes Texas? Nobody. But we replaced them with Iowa. Who likes Iowa? Nobody, right? <laughs> so, you know, you replace some of them, it's still taking a while to get used to. Uh, and here I completely forgot where you were going with this. 
what about the move to the Big Ten, like football-wise, competitive-wise, whereas, you know, in the Big 12, Nebraska, most often, the last year in the Big 12, they had a chance to win the Big 12 title game. And so being that competitive and then going to the Big Ten to where it's, you know, you're playing Ohio State, Penn State, and all those other dudes, and not really having that much success. And then Jack mentioned earlier with the recruiting grounds in Texas, not having too much success there either. Is there a regret to moving to the Big Ten, or is Nebraska and you guys pretty happy up in the Big Ten regarding football and their lack of kind of success? What's going on up there? I don't, you know, I don't. I think you'll find some Nebraska fans that miss the Big Twelve because of, or the Big Eight for mm. because of familiarity. But I don't think most people regret it because we're making crap tons of money. What we miss is winning, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, honestly, I don't think that even if we'd have stayed in the Big 12, if we'd made the same decisions and stayed in the Big 12, firing Bo Pelini, firing, you know, Frank Solich, Bo Pelini, hiring Bill Callahan, Mike Riley, we'd be a sucky program in the Big 12. You know, it isn't, we don't suck because we move conferences. We suck because we've made really bad decisions. And with regards to recruiting, I think Nebraska has recruited well enough to compete in the Big Ten West because it's not, you know, they've gotten better over the past few years as a whole division. But when you look at our recruiting classes, we've been on par with, you know, the people we need to beat Mm -hmm. to actually have some level of success, but we, we haven't done it. So, you know, do we miss the recruiting? I don't follow recruiting really, really close, but we've recruited well enough to be beating people like Purdue and Minnesota and Iowa, you know, I agree. not, I mean, maybe not. We, we haven't recruited well enough to beat them every year, but losing to Iowa five years in a row, uh, that shouldn't be us. But, you know, I, I, I was around for the John Blake, Howard Schellenberger years. And who was that other guy? Gary Gibbs. Gary Gibbs, yeah. There you go. I remember beating you guys like it was something like 73 to 10, and it was sad. I mean, it wasn't fun. Yep. It was, uh, you know. It was bad times, man. I went to college (laughs) in Nebraska in the 80s. And the Nebraska-Oklahoma games when I was in college were just uh, monster games, you know. And those games often, like, determine who was going to – win the conference and maybe go to a national title and all that other stuff. And so you, you kind of bring me to my next point, John. Um, and this is something that we in the big 12 and we've often talked about on, on our podcast is Nebraska, because it's not just been like a decade of just kind of like not being that great. It's honestly been ever since Eric Crouch left, not that fantastic. I mean, you had Taylor Martinez and you had other guys in there, but nothing to the pinnacle of like winning conference championships, et cetera. Many people around the conference and maybe the nation, who knows, I don't know, might suggest that Nebraska is starting to or has already lost a blue blood status. What would you say about that? I'd stab him. <laughs> <laughs> then they were laying on the ground and go, what do you think of that, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I think that we're still over history, you know, because Nebraska has to, Nebraska people have to bring up history because this right now, that's, that's what we got, man. I was a Green Bay Packers fan for 30 years before they won their Super Bowl and everybody would go, the Packers fan, all they do is talk about the past. 
and then they, you know, won a Super Bowl and we didn't have to talk about the past anymore. And right now, Nebraska, we really have to, you know, that's what we got is the past. So uh, are we a blue blood? Of course we are. And the reason we are, I'll, I'll tell you this exact reason. Number one, we're one of the most winning programs in history. And number two, even though we are going through the worst stretch in our entire history, and, you know, I've run coordination for 15 years now. I know Nebraska history very well. We had a horrible stretch from like World War II until 1962 when Bob Devaney showed up. And this stretch has been worse than that. So we're going through the worst thing ever. But we're still not irrelevant. And why aren't we irrelevant? Yeah, I'll tell you, Paul Feinbaum, Feinbaum that shithead, can't shut up about us. Pat Forty can't shut up about us. Uh, Iowa, if Iowa sucks, does anybody talk about Iowa? No, because nobody fucking cares about Iowa. If Wisconsin sucks, does anybody talk about Wisconsin? No. Minnesota? No. You know what I mean? We could go through a yeah, long yeah. list of people are like blue blood. Because people expect more from Nebraska, right? Yeah, they do. And uh, they, I mean, they know it. we have a fan base that's completely batshit insane, but uh you know and we'll respond to anything on the internet you know poke and woo-hoo, we respond you know that's just how it goes but we're are we a blue blood yeah of course we are because uh i couldn't if i answered that no uh, i might be in danger for my life jack do you believe that nebraska is a blue blood and is john yeah. gonna stab you I, I live on the podcast on the fundamental definition of what a blue blood is i think there's still a blue blood that that doesn't just go away Blue blood, the, fundamentally, that is based on longevity. You know, the uh, the Vanderbilts, say a, a Vanderbilt could have no money to his name. He's still a blue blood because the last name's Vanderbilt. You know, you know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. kind of a... They, they still have Dukes in right. England. Exactly. And they like haven't it, had it, an empire for <laughs> decades, years, a, a century? I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not something that goes away with a... 20 year bad stretch, even, even a 30 year bad stretch. So mm-hmm. we're not, no, Nebraska is no more 30 of a year blue blood than Clemson is. And I think a lot of people don't Ooh. understand. That. And that's, and that's a good narrative, right? And so John Clemson is Jeff Bezos. Or yeah. Elon I want to get John's opinion on that. Cause I feel like that's a Nebraska's good a Rockefeller. because I know people that are saying, Oh, Clemson's a new blue blood, despite that they're a new money program that hasn't, they did, they won a championship in the eighties and now they're doing stuff now, but Prior to that, they're not playing in game of centuries like OU Nebraska would. And so, John, what do you think Nebraska and like in Oregon are these new money teams? Do you think these teams are blue bloods or do you think let's wait another 80 years to see what they do? Yeah, why not? I mean, if they can sustain Clemson could sustain that for 20 years, then there you go. I mean, Florida, you look at Florida State, right? Mm-hmm. I was at the game in which Florida State beat Nebraska at Nebraska. And you could see that Bobby Bowden was building a program that was going to last. And he built Florida State into a program that, that, you know, they've gone through their shit years now, too. God, their offensive line is terrible. Have you watched them? Yeah, it's been bad for about five years. I don't know how that keeps happening. It's mind boggling. It really is. It's hard to watch. But you know, he built them into a program that was going to sustain itself for a while. And they won a lot of games over what, 20, 25 years, 30 mm-hmm. years. You know, Clemson's got Dabo. Great. A lot of, 
not a big do that over fan. two, three coaches and yeah. then talk to us. I think it's a fair thing. And, and what's funny, Jack is, uh, I, I was telling John what we were going to talk about before the podcast. And I was like, Hey, we're going to talk about the Malcolm Kelly rap after the big 12 title game. And John had no idea what we were talking about. And I think that's so awesome because it's just a differing perspectives from fan bases. Like basically John, this is what happens. Uh, Nebraska obviously got up to a lead against OU uh, with Paul Thompson, at Q- at QB. And then uh, Oklahoma, they, they win the game, like what? 21 to 10 or something like that. I don't 21 know. seven. Yeah. yeah it was a, it it was was a, a stinker low, of a, it game. was a low scoring game. Yeah. And uh, basically Malcolm Kelly wraps in the locker room and it's like now like the brotherhood rap between all the Sooner fans and all the Sooner football really? players and stuff. Yeah. It's incredible. Uh, they even they even started wrapping it after they beat the hell out of Florida in the Cotton Bowl, and so that was that was fun. But so speaking of you know blue bloods having a lot of success in the past, Frost is a name that's very familiar to Nebraska fans, and he was endeared as a player. Is he being endeared as a coach, or are fans turning on him? How what what is like, or are people willing to give him several more years? What's the situation going there with Coach Frost? Ooh. Well, what are your I thoughts? That, yeah. The, the situation is this. There's, there's going to be a lot of people that would say, well, he's getting a lot of rope because he's a former Nebraska guy and he's Tom Osborne's boy and all this stuff. And you know what? They're right. But I think also you don't have success if you're continually firing and replacing coaches because they can't do stuff in three years. So I mean, when he has Tennessee climbed out of a hole yet is what look at Florida state. We mentioned them. That's been a hell hole for everybody. Uh, you could go through a list. So I don't think you, you're always going to find the curmudgeon old man. I'm not as curmudgeon as I could be, but depends on the subject, but you can always find somebody that says, yeah, Scott Frost needs to be fired this year. You know, but he, he has to show something this year. I mean, he does. And I, I think, listen, I'm a homer. Okay. I'm, I'm not, when they go, you're supposed to be objective. Screw that. I'm not objective. I can be objective. Sometimes I can mm. be way more objective now because it's may the other day on Twitter, I called Kirk Ferentz a great friend. In August, I'd call him not a great friend at all. I'd call him all sorts of horrible things. But uh, I think Scott Frost has done a couple things. Uh, Number one, I think he completely underestimated the type of offensive and defensive lines he needed to compete in the Big Ten. Because it is a, you know, where the offenses have changed and they score a lot of points and they go zing-wing a lot more than they used to. It's still that three yards in a crowded cloud of dust when it comes to the line play. Mm-hmm. You got to have big guys that are strong and have stan- stamina, and you have to have a lot of them. You're going to have Wisconsin running the ball at you 840 times a game. If you can't compete with that, you're just going to get run over. Minnesota has been very physical. They've had great lines over the last year. I was standing on the sideline as a credentialed photographer a couple of years ago and watched them just beat the shit out of us physically. So he's complete, he's missed the bar on that completely. And, you know, when he showed up and what he thought he had and then what he thought he was recruiting. And I think he's changed that. And, and unfortunately it's going to, I think it'll still take a year or two before he really has anybody in place with experience that will be good. 
So I think the second team is second thing he did was <clears throat> when you watched UCF football play under Scott Frost, they had guys that were incredibly athletic and they had one thing that Nebraska was just completely missing under Mike Riley. And that was speed. We did when he showed up, we were fluffy, fat and slow. And, you know, he talks a lot about culture. He has a seven year contract. I think he pretty much knew that he was going to have time to develop his program. And does he get the grace of being Scott Frost? Yeah, he does. On the other hand, you got to deal with the bullshit that comes with from coming home, you know? I mean, yeah. You come home and every Tom, Dick, and Harry says, hey, Scott, can I come down and see the football practice? Hey, Scott, can mm -hmm. I come into the athletic department? Hey, Scott, remember that time? Can I get have you show up here and do this? And, you know, that's all the bullshit that comes along with coming home, too. So, you know, I does he deal with that baggage? Yeah, you got to deal with some of that baggage when you come home to coach. I don't know why anybody do it anyway. So it's all the nostalgia, man. It's, it's all the nostalgia. I mean, like what, like as a coach and as a former quarterback, you know, the guy probably dreamed of that moment. It's a perfect thing for him. And then it's a fucking nightmare. seems like to run that team right now. And how many games does he have to win for fans to be all right, cool. They're making progress this year. This year. Yeah. Well, we need to go to a ball game at the okay. minimum. <laughs> we need to just get to a ball. I don't care if there's 56 of them. Get to a freaking ball game. You know, if you don't get to a ball game, then we're going to have to, I don't know. You're going to, we're going to have to kill somebody. Somebody's going to have to be hung somewhere in public. Things burned down. Even if it's not him, somebody has to pay. That's how it goes. The head has to roll. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, because I want, you, you know, you can be the guy that says, well, I'm a loyal person. Great. Then go out on the ship. We're going to set it on fire. Watch you burn as you floats out into the, I don't know, Missouri river or something. Like I just look at Nebraska's spring game every year and am amazed by the amount of support that they get at the spring game and Oklahoma fans can't even stay till damn halftime of their home games. It's incredible, dude. And so this game has been on everybody's in everybody's minds. OU Nebraska. It's been in the back of everybody's mind since Nebraska left the Big 12 to go to the Big Ten. It's like, all right, in 2021, they're gonna get a home and home with Nebraska. They're gonna go to Norman, they're gonna go to Lincoln, they're gonna have a good time. And then there were sudden rumors, of course, it was like a month ago, distant rumors that Nebraska was thinking about replacing the OU game with a cupcake tie guess. Uh, get some more money flowing in from the past of the COVID season. What were the reactions like over in Nebraska? Because I remember the reactions in Jack. I mean, you can probably back me up on this. The reactions in Oklahoma were like, oh, these bitches are scared to play Oklahoma. Like, Jack, is that right? That was the initial reaction. How much of it was actually true? I mean, I, I still take a lot of it with a grain of salt, but – yeah, the initial reaction was definitely <laughs> something along those lines. And I'll admit I was in line with that for sure. So You know what our reaction was? Yeah, what was it? What are we, a bunch of bitches scared to play Oklahoma? <laughs> what the fuck is going on in our athletic program? That's incredible. Seriously, <laughs> it was the, basically the same thing. You looked at it and went, what the hell is that? It's not real. That can't be right. 
I think oh Brett, McMurphy, Brett McMurphy tre- uh, tweeted that, <clears throat> and he's got more context than about anybody in football, him and Bruce Feldman. And he's not a guy that does, though I have, I, excuse me, the Ohio State fans would argue, but he's not a guy that just puts stuff out just for fun. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So right. you kind of went, okay, what is this about? And I think it really was about them going, looking at this and saying, we need to find every possibility to see what we could have to get a home game in there. And now they've replaced, what is it? South, Southeastern Louisiana, we were going to play in November. We moved to Fordham to play on so I, for September 4th or something like that. Now there's two reasons for that. Number one is you want recruits to come to Nebraska when it's not freaking November. Mm. Right for a home game, so they can see that home crowd and nice weather, and go, oh my God, this is where I want to play football. And and secondly, is you really do you want the income for you know, Lincoln has built a really nice area around the stadium. Haymarket area is really beautiful. A lot of really nice restaurants, bars, and everything, and the rail yard where people hang out and have a good time. And I think they looked at it and said, how about if we bring in money? and revenue, not just to us, but to the surrounding businesses that are trying to survive. So, Mm. I mean, it it, it, was it a good idea. It was kind of a good idea until it got into public. You were actually considering replacing Oklahoma, you know? Yeah. I I, I saw a podcast. I can't remember who was running a podcast. He's a former Nebraska football player. And he was just like, at his wits end of like basically what you just said is like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what, what are we? Like you said, it's, it's incredible. And so my next question would be, and <laughs> I'll just go with it. When's the last time, like the last time you were legit proud of Nebraska football? <laughs> ask me questions and make me cry you bastard (laughs) i don't know (laughs) okay i'm gonna tell you something really bizarre i should have told you this before he started but in 2015 right before the oh my god right before the football season i had a heart attack and i died and i was dead for 20 minutes I'm not making that Dang. part up. What? I should have I should have told you that before we started. But because of that, my memory is really that's probably why I don't remember the Malcolm Kelly thing. Ah. But uh, my memory is kind of blown up. When is the last time I was proud of Nebraska football? <sighs> Let's just go with 2009. You know, when Indomitian Sue was there and he mm. was just throwing uh was it Colt McCoy? Yeah, I threw Colt yeah. McCoy around like a rag doll. You know, and fucking Mac Brown got his one second back on the clock. That's right. That's uh, right. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That was garbage. It was. Jeez, I think man. Mike Riley had, had that one season in there where it looked like he was kind of trying to start inch up there. But, you know, it's I it's been a while. I haven't I haven't even thought about that. Now I'm going to have to go to therapy again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember him like really, really campaigning for that extra second when I thought this game is over. That's I didn't think about that's yeah. Who should have won the Heisman that season? By the he way, he should have won the Heisman. He's I agree the most with that. Dominant defensive force in college football, I think I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, 
God, that, that in probably well before my life. That 2009 matchup in the trenches, like defensive line, you have Ndamukong Sue, and then you've got Gerald McCoy on the other line. That was that was an incredible defensive game between OU and Nebraska. Like Landry Jones throwing like 12 interceptions was incredible in its own. But just like the defensive juggernauts that both teams were at that time and how inept the offenses were at that game is incredible. Uh, that was that what that, that's like an old school kind of drag him out football game. So, John, we got one more question before we get to OU Nebraska 11 a.m. kick. What is the saddest you've been about Nebraska football? <laughs> I am. I looked at go these questions there. before he st- we started this podcast, <laughs> and I was like, "Come here, come on, buddy." The saddest? Yeah, man. Oh my God! Come on. <sighs> you know, probably, I man, I, there's been. You know, one of the things that that's happened over the course of us not being good is it it doesn't necessarily hurt less, but you learn that you can't take it. You know, it used to make me almost physically ill to lose a football game. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as Oklahoma fans, there's a lot of people listening that can understand that sentiment. But I think that, you know, you have to learn that uh, you, you can't do that. To, you can't do it to yourself when you're getting older because you just, you know, then you go, don't go to work for three days and, you know, stuff like that happens. What is the saddest I've been? Like a heartbreaking I, I, loss? You know, I don't know. I, I have no idea how to answer that question. You okay. know, I think probably the, the it's the concept of uh, losing to Iowa five years in a row now. And actually losing to them twice in the last two years when we had the game pretty kind of won, and then they came back and get a last second field goal. And, mm. you know, they won both years like that. I guess that's recent memory. Um Probably, you know what it was? I'll, I'll tell you what it was. Uh, now I've thought about it long enough. It was 1987. I think that was the year. Nebraska, Oklahoma, it was supposed to, if I remember that year right, Nebraska, Oklahoma, it was supposed to be the game of the century two. Mm-hmm. And for the first half of the game, Nebraska, I think, played well. <clears throat> Might have been ahead like seven to three or seven to nothing. I, oh God, I can't say this publicly. <sighs> 1987 was the last year I was a college student. Okay. I graduated that May. Uh, I was standing with my future wife on the side, on the sideline. And I thought we were playing well. And really all we'd done is you guys had committed turnovers. And I looked at my wife and I said, I think we're going to kick their ass in the second half. And really Oklahoma came out in the second half. And if I remember right, they just physically beat the shit out of us. I don't think we, our offense couldn't do anything. I, I don't, 17 to 13, maybe. What was the score of that game? You're looking it up on the internet. I can see it moving around. I think Patrick Collins had that long run that game. I think to seal it, if I remember correctly, I think that was the year. My wife, every once in a while, will turn and look at me because she's a Nebraskan and a Nebraska grad too. And she goes, I remember we're going to kick their ass in the second half. And she, you know, have they, are you either, are you married? People listening to this are married and they know what I mean. They just never let go of, you know, shit they can bring up from 83 years ago. (laughs) Incredible. 
This is why nobody, everybody goes, yeah, I want to be immortal. Wait a minute. I'm married. No, I don't. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. They never, they never let it go, you know, and the constant, constant reminders, actually both me and Jack are going to get married this year. So I guess more to look forward to, I suppose. Right, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I can get on board with that. <laughs> All right, John. <laughs> Oh, you Nebraska. Now, now that you've beaten me to a I know. Oh, <laughs> you Nebraska this fall. Uh, maybe going to be an 11 a.m. kick. Do you feel like that's justified or do you think it should be an evening kick or do you think there's no way around it should be an evening kick in prime time between these two former like playing for the championship every year to get in the national title? Like, what are your thoughts on this? I don't know. Now that we're in the Big Ten, you know, you go 11 a.m. games are kind of like where you live. Uh, and Nebraska's been there enough that, you know, they're like sad Nebraska people anymore. They look at it and go, oh, 11 a.m. is kind of like, you know, uh, all the cattle are dying and the ranch burned down again. Uh, who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't you want to be in prime time? It's over yeah, in Nebraska. Yes, yes, it would be nice. It would be nice. I haven't even looked at far. It's May. And I don't, here's the thing. If I start in May and start looking and drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Mm. By August, I'm like freaked out. So I just have learned because I've been running coronation for all this time that I focus on baseball in the spring. And it's my thing to do in the spring. And then, you know, when August rolls around, then I start getting juiced up for football season. But uh, yeah, I saw that the other day and I thought, it, it, really, honestly, my reaction was, uh, you know, we don't deserve it. We're not that good. Uh, we, we need to win. That's it. That's it. We, the, the firestorm happened over in the Nebraska, Oklahoma. They're going to did, you know, they're going to not play the game. It happened because everybody knows they can beat the shit out of us because we suck. And it, it's, you know, you kick it. You always like as an honorable person, you say never kick somebody when they're down. Well, not in sports. When they're down, you stop the shit out of them. <laughs> well, I got of Iowa yeah. and Minnesota. Tell Lincoln Riley. See, I've been in the big town long enough. Now I'm bringing up Iowa, Minnesota. If they are horrible, I'm bringing it up all the time as as loudly as I can. You know, mostly because right in the next room, my youngest son is a University of Minnesota. He goes to the University of Minnesota. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, John, thanks for joining the podcast. Got, to talk. Oh, oh, you got some, Jack? Awesome. You, you fire oh, wait off, Wait a buddy. minute. Are we gonna, are we, is yours. this all about the past or are we going to talk about this year at all? I tell you what, I was going to ask you, who is your favorite Nebraska alum outside of sports? <laughs> You're supposed to prepare me for these things. I figured since I was Nebraska, asking like a lighthearted question, I'd get some grace here, but. <laughs> well, well, me. Well, when you said that, I want to say Harold Edgerton. Do you know who that is? I do not. <laughs> no, I, if, if anybody in your podcast could have guessed it, I'd, I'd give them a, I am free something. Harold Edgerton, Edgerton uh, invented the strobe, the flash. Hmm. All right. What he did. What if I remember this correctly? He invented it so that when they flew over World War II over Germany, they could strobe the ground at night so they could take photos of what they were going to bomb later. But oh crap, that's I'm awesome. a photographer. If you notice the stuff behind me, yeah. right, like that, I those are all pictures I've shot. 
and uh, <clears throat> you know, so the photography stuff is important to me. But uh, most important, Nebraska alum. I I don't know if Warren Buffett graduated from Nebraska. Or... <laughs> we'll we'll count him. He's from Omaha, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll take it. That'll work. We'll we'll give you a victory tonight. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <You're one. laughs> but uh, tell you what, let's. How about this? What was your favorite? Nebraska win over Oklahoma in your lifetime. Okay. Absolute favorite. <laughs> Probably 1982. And in 1982, <clears throat> okay, here's the thing. I got a story about 1982. 1982 was a, a night game at a time at which you almost never had night games. Okay. So I was a student in 1982. And the problem with night games is this. We're all used to the games being like at noon. So what do we do? We have beer breakfast at my house and everybody starts at the regular time. Like guys start drinking at nine, 10 o'clock. So when this game rolls around, you know, it, I think it was like six in the evening. The By the time face. the game rolls around, the, everybody on the planet yeah. is bombed out of their mind. Hell yes. Right? So we go to <laughs> the Oklahoma game and we had really good seat, seats as students. And, uh, you know, it's, we win, okay? At the end of the game, I am. everybody is pushed down to the edge of the field, all the students. I'm standing on the edge of the sideline. A cop is standing with in front of me, whacking his hand with a billy club. And uh, <clears throat> at the other end, Scott Strasberger intercepts a pass with six seconds left. Everybody rushes the field early, and then we're told we got to get back off. But, so we're there standing on the sideline again. And there's throngs of people on the sideline and the gun goes off. And I am literally, when they say swept off your feet, I understand that feeling because I didn't have to move. I was literally picked up, carried through the air to the goalpost. And we're trying to tear the goalpost down, right? So you have this mass of humanity pushing and lunging from both sides. And so they lunge from one side and you just get pushed that way. And then they lunge from the other side and you get pushed that way. And I fell down <laughs> and I'm laying in the, underneath this crowd and I'm being trampled and it's black and there's just people stomping the shit out of me. And I hear this guy screaming, get him off the ground, get him off the ground, get him off the ground. And I, there's this hands reach down and this giant human being picks me up, lifts me on my feet, literally saving my life because I might've been trampled to death. And I thank him. I say, thank you. And I'm like, I have to get out of here. I run to the 50 yard line. It's like 25 degrees that day. There is a kid sitting on the, <laughs> sitting on the, the, the 50 yard line on the big logo. I think it's an N. It's an N now. It might've been a big eight logo or something then. He's eating a frozen orange in his underwear. <laughs> I turn around. I look back to the goalpost where I was. People are setting off smoke bombs. There's a kid that's climbed up all the way to the top of the goalpost and is still upright, right? And he's just hanging there, swinging back and forth. You know, honest to God, looks like it's there's a war going on because there's smoke mm -hmm. everywhere. Yeah. People are screaming. I notice one goalpost goes down. The other goalpost goes down. So I run back to get up, you know, run the help run the goalpost out of the stadium. Of course, it's curved, you know. So they run the, they try to run the, the, the things that stand upright, the poles through it, 
but they forget that the other side is curved. So all these people are running it through the stadium and they hit the gate and they all run that curved part and they all get flattened because of the momentum. They're just, jeez. But that was the 82 Oklahoma game. So that's the one I've remembered the most is, uh, yeah, about dying. <laughs> sounds like it was a good time, though. I mean, like y'all were out of your minds. It was, it was, it was a good time. And we had a good friend of ours who uh, uh, was an Oklahoma guy. He, he was on the way back to our house. Uh, they had to basically kind of steer him because he was a big six foot four, 250 pound guy. He stole an OU uh, tire cover off somebody's RV. <laughs> I don't know what else he did, but uh, it was, yeah, it was kind of a drunken mess. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, the, the you know, the, Tom Osborne didn't beat Oklahoma until 1978. And then he got to play him again, in the orange bowl. And of course you beat us, you know, but the eighties were a great, it was a great time to be in college at Nebraska for football. I mean, the Oklahoma games were always amazing games mm-hmm. and, you know, you'd sell your tickets to pay for them, but the one you never sold was Oklahoma. Yeah. Jack, you have any other questions? I think I'm good. We'll end on that high note for you. Hey, man, John, thanks for coming on the podcast and talking some sure. of your memories and all these other things about Nebraska football. Um, where can our fans and other people kind of find your stuff at? Well, at Corn Nation, we run, we're the SB Nation uh, Nebraska site. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more stuff coming up before the game this year. And uh, uh, we also have a YouTube channel where I swear a lot. <laughs> sounds like a good time man sounds like a good time last year when it, when uh, we lost to minnesota i was so pissed off uh, i left the house because my i didn't want my wife and my son to deal with me i took my phone and a tripod and i sat underneath a tree in the frozen cold and i swore a lot about the game and uh it got to like seven thousand views on youtube and i thought oh, i'll just start a youtube channel where i sit underneath a tree and swear <laughs> It works for some. It works for some of us, man. It works for some of us. I don't think it would be as good for me, but man, that's awesome. But again, thanks, John, for coming on the podcast. We're gonna we're gonna hit you back up in the fall to preview this OU game. Should be a good time. All right. Okay. All right, man. I'll check you later. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. Thanks, John. All right, Jack. So I got an email today from the University of Oklahoma. And they said, due to new CDC guidelines and all that other fancy language, they are not completely ditching the masks, but for the most part, ditching the masks like most universities and public institutions are. Um, they and I believe in many instances, they're, they're, they said they're going to they're going to, you know, like encourage mask usage if you feel like it. But otherwise, you're good to go. And that made me think just one thing. It had nothing to do with taking classes there. It had nothing to do with going to university. It made me just think of when Joe Clastiglione said they were very optimistic about having full stadiums in the fall. Are you of that same thinking or that same time? Oh, yeah. I mean, hell, they're, you know, they're having a full softball stadium right now. It's only oh, yeah, that. That's right. I mean, that's that's close quarters right there. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's uh, I don't think there's any question that things are going to pretty much be back to normal in the fall as far as this is concerned. I mean, if you want a vaccine at this point, you have your vaccine. Oh yeah. If you don't want a vaccine, you're not going to get a vaccine and no one's going to wait for you. They might have like little tents outside the stadium, like certain like 
basketball, they're not basketball, baseball teams have been doing that, I think. About having, yeah, I think baseball is doing it. But yeah, I'm just, I'm excited, man. The first time full, full capacity. Maybe you could have called Bedlam last year full capacity. They said they were at 25%, but everybody knows that's a bunch of bullshit. 60, 70%. Yeah, no shit, right? (laughs) Like that was, that was a big crowd. That was not a quarter. That was not half. It was massive. So I'm excited. You know what? You know what? I might cry the first time we're all back together. Oh, in that no, I, yeah, I, I've been thinking that for over a year that I would probably cry, especially during the intro video mm-hmm. or like when the pride comes onto the field and the, you hear for the first time. Yep. That's going to that's going to hit different as the kids say. singing. Yeah. Singing the school song and all that stuff. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of tears, going to be a lot of high fives of people that you have no idea who they are, you know, per normal, but just like on a different level. Oh, yeah. A lot of people excited to be back. I'm excited to go back. You know, man, it's just it's going to be a great feeling. It feels like the world is thawing out, so to speak, at this point. It's it's a it's a good feeling. I'm excited as hell. I feel rejuvenated. But at the same time, honestly, I'm feeling kind of weird. And uh, because Paul Feinbaum said that, you know, he, he runs off teams and then he goes to OU and says, OU has no weaknesses. And I'm feeling really uncomfortable. I feel like this might be like just a hot take machine to get people to call into the show. Is he being serious? What do you what do you think here? I'm, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I don't, I don't believe don't a word this man says. Necessarily mutually exclusive. I think. As far as fewest weaknesses are concerned, I think you can make an argument that Oklahoma fits the bill there. I mean, think about it. All three levels of the defense are going to be solid. Yeah. You're returning probably the best quarterback in the country. You get in depth underneath a lot of people. You're going to have a really good receiving core. You're uh, you're not going to have a lot of depth at running back, but you're going to be pretty solid there as far as the individuals you have there. The quality there is good offensive line you have a high upside that's the only real i'd say weak point that i would see and it, and it by the end of the year it could be the best position group on the team so it's uh i i think if there's one weakness it's potentially the offensive line just because you're having a little bit of turnover there and it takes a little while for a unit like that to gel so and it and that's been the case in the past with beaten bows units even when they haven't had that much attrition along the offensive line it usually takes them a while to gel throughout the year it's usually ou texas where that clicks either right before or right Mm -hmm. after but um yeah i think that's fair but yes at the same time absolutely he's you know he's i think uh one of his favorite callers callers his name is squirrel from mississippi Mm -hmm. i bet squirrel from mississippi is losing his (laughs) shit over him picking OU over, you know, one of the beloved SEC teams that he was. Well, and remember, he was talking about Bob Stoops State just being dead that. in the water, right? And he's talking about the team and being not relevant. And now it's all a lot of people can talk about if we're being quite frank with each other. Like Oklahoma is odds on favorites to do a lot of things this year. And so I just couldn't tell if it was Paul Feinbaum being Paul Feinbaum or if there is some tinge of honesty there. You know what I mean? Because it's, you know, yeah. for several years, he takes, you know, hot takes and pot shots at OU. So when he says something like that, it's really hard to believe the man is being genuine. 
Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Or the other, I mean, to play devil's advocate there, maybe he's so impressed with OU that he's, you know, changing his tune a little bit. But at the same time, it's probably a troll job of his SEC people. He's probably making people mad. So pretty fair. Take literally anything the man says with a grain of salt, but whatever. What are you uh, What are you drinking over there, Jack? I am drinking the exact same thing that you were drinking. It would appear. Which one do you have? Do you have the uh, the it's, melon medley? It's the melon medley seltzer melon from medley. Sonic. Look at us, man! Look at us. Sonic seltzers. It's my favorite so far of the Sonic seltzers. I, this is my. I I opened up a case. This is my first go at it. It's it's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. It's uh. I like the cherry limeade. The ocean water is pretty good. Fiance is drinking the ocean water right now. Pretty good. Um, maybe we'll get sponsored by Sonic now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Uh, I've heard good things about the lemon berry. I didn't, we didn't get the pack that had the lemon berry in mm-hmm. it. So I'm looking forward to trying that. But this uh, melon medley here looks like we've got um, watermelon and what have we got? Like honeydew cantaloupe? melon or something like that? Looks like. Melon? Yeah, oh yeah, honeydew melon. No, not cantaloupe. Cantaloupe is gross. You don't like cantaloupe? I hate cantaloupe. Wow. Not a cantaloupe guy. Steven's dog loved cantaloupe. Remember that story? Yeah, we went over that. I I think we (laughs) discussed this at length, actually, in the past. Oh yeah, it's true. It's true. But anyway, Um, Sonic Seltzer is very good. Um, 5% alcohol by volume. uh, One gram sugar. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Probably it's not on the healthier side of the seltzers, and they taste really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And you can only get them in Oklahoma right now. So I think the uh, rest of the country's getting them maybe in August, I heard. Losers. That's what yeah, I heard. Losers. But uh, so we've I've got been, that going for us, which is nice. I've been scrolling through the Twitters and the Instagrams, and Perry and Winfrey's photo ops are kind of legit terrifying, and uh-huh. it's giving me, like, tommy harris vibes but like more scary tommy harris vibes does that does that make sense was a you know he was a big fella he was very strong but he was very lean Mm -hmm. for his position group same thing with winfrey he's extremely lean he's not uh there's not a whole lot of baby fat there i mean he's he's someone who definitely it's not his body type definitely doesn't you know infringe on his movement at all he's uh he you know you could see how agile he was a year ago he looks like he's in even better shape this year yeah now that he's That's actually in shape. scary and i mean we said it last year right if you're gonna have a single digit number and be in the trenches you better be a badass he has lived up to that so he's, far yes like in last year like he wasn't as consistent as he could be and being with alex grinch and just going hard 24 7 I feel like he's going to have maybe a better year this year with Jalen Redmond there, Isaiah Thomas coming back, getting bigger. You've got Kelvin Gilliam, who's like a, the type of player OU's been after for like a long time coming onto campus in the summer. Of course, you got Nick Benito, who's like one of the best, like off the edge in the nation. Lots of good stuff around him. And man, this the defensive line in itself should be terrifying. But yeah, Perry Winfrey, did you? We didn't talk about this in the bowl game. Did you like? Perry and Winfrey's knee pads of like uh, Michael Myers and uh, the the monster knee pads. Did you see that? Yeah, I did see that. They were, uh, yeah, again, legit terrifying. Like he's maybe not quite, um, 
maybe he's got a little screw loose, which is something you like for a yeah. dominant defensive player. Like, so, like, you know, it's uh, got a little edge to him. Archie just forced his way into the room. I'm going to yeah. have to deal with this very quickly. Archie. Yeah, like uh, Perry and Winfrey is going to go in, like ram his head with this helmet, maybe on or maybe off into the wall just for some pregame hype. I mean, I'm kind of excited about it. The man is a terrifying human being, but again, a force in the middle, something that Alex Grinch is definitely really, really, really going to use well. Um, I'm excited, man. And so I guess we can close the podcast on something pretty interesting i thought maybe we should you know introduce a little pop culture you know get a get our listeners you know because it's summer about to be summer anyways for a lot of people it's in may june's like right on the horizon it's starting to get it only gets dark at like 8 45 now which i freaking love by the way yeah it's not going to be a lot of football talk um there's going to be it's content season man so like what are what are some movies that you might recommend to our listeners of the podcast to, to take their time until the fall and fall camp and big 12 media days one that just popped into the top of my head i don't know why it popped into my head right now but um in bruges with colin farrell and brendan gleason have you seen it i haven't actually what's it what's it about tell me well basically they go, they're sent to Bruges in Belgium, which is basically like a medieval fairy tale kingdom looking city. Definitely a tourist destination. They're sent by there by their boss. They're two hitmen. They're basically sent there to hide out. And basically they're from London. They're sent there to hide out. And there's some other stuff that goes on. I'm not going to get, you know, get too into it, but, uh, uh, shit goes down to say the least. And it's got some definite, uh, a lot of good comic relief, a lot of good, comic relief mixed in there it's it's i'm not a huge colin farrell fan mm-hmm. but he's very good at this and i love brendan gleason so. i liked colin farrell in uh the phone booth movie that was a good movie that yeah, was that good was and so I, I recommend that movie if we're talking about colin farrell you know i was just like browsing on hbo max and any other any other browser or i guess streaming platform that we have these days and i would recommend a couple I would recommend uh, Selena, the the movie. I watched that one last I just night. The show actually, they have, yeah, they have the show. And it's being written Very by her sister, I believe. Selena Elos Dinos, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's great. It, it's of course it's sad. Everybody, most everybody right. knows uh, the famous Tejano music scene. And I would also recommend uh, just one of my favorite movies, The Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski has been one of my favorite movies ever since. The summer really hit. Of course, we've got more like Jojo Rabbit and all a lot of other movies with Skr- Jojo Rabbit, but Big Lebowski's my favorite movie of all time. So really? That one. Yes. Wow. It's fantastic. Jeff Bridges and and uh um <laughs> it's just it's incredible. You don't fuck with the Jesus, man. You fuck you, the famous people. No, there are, there aren't there. Jesus. Wow. Well, that's all I've got to say. You have anything else to say, Jack? Oh, I think I'm pretty much good. Well, you can follow us if you're listening. To, actually, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time, you like what you heard, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. We really appreciate that. Drop a five-star review. You can find us on crimsonandcreammachine.com. You can find us on Twitter at CCMachine. You can find Jack at JLarryShields. You can find me at KMRobby and CCM. Uh, our awesome guy that we hosted, John Johnson, earlier from Nebraska at Coronation. 
Um, you know, he is not only talented with Nebraska and being a writer and editor for that site, but also he's written a book about like what he talked about earlier about his kind of his brain injury that he talked about actually on the podcast. It's uh, it's been dead, never been to Europe. Um, it's incredible. You can buy it on Amazon for like $9.99, but I think it's free on Kindle. So if you're interested in that, go cop that. But appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we'll have a podcast for you guys on Friday as well. And we'll check you guys later. <laughs>